everyone. Welcome back to all my listeners. Hope you're all having a great day so far. And if it's your first time finding me, thanks so much and welcome. Welcome to episode 12 of my third season. Today is Wednesday, July 21st, 2021. My name is Sanal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. So as of the recording of this episode, the public health emergency, the PHE, has not yet been extended. It was set to expire on Tuesday, July 20th at midnight. I expect it will have been extended by the time this episode drops, and I will have made a LinkedIn post about it and informed all my physician clients, etc. However, it's also important to remember to review your state's guidelines and the goings-on there. For example, in Florida, providers are in a tizzy because their state leadership have let expire two executive orders that allowed for various telemedicine services. This in turn creates the need for updates to billing and coding teams by compliance leadership to ensure that moving forward, as of such and such a date, there are the list of services that can now be compliantly sent out to payers. Now, today's episode dives into my compliance tips and recommendations for psychotherapy services. And I'm thrilled to have Jennifer McNamara as my special guest on this episode. And I round out today's episode with the profound note on journeys from the inspirational words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. If you've checked me out on LinkedIn, you know I'm all about compliance and protecting our physicians and valued healthcare professionals when it comes to the business of medicine. I hope this week with me brings you enough to take back to your organizations, to want to dive in deeper, to use my tips and best practices to ensure success. I hope this podcast will help you boost the quality of documentation capture and improve coding accuracy as you help your providers paint the medical picture. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss another episode. Please write in a review and kindly drop me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to my podcast. I'd really love your support. And as always, a friendly disclaimer. Remember, I'm bringing you the news, current healthcare industry news, my compliance tips and recommendations based on my over 10 years of experience in front office, back-end, coding and billing for multi-specialty physicians, compliance and auditing for both ENM and surgical operative reports. These are my opinions alone and are not to be construed as legal advice. So let's get into a very special newsworthy that features my guest today, owner of Ozark Coding Alliance, Jennifer McNamara. I'm so excited to introduce her to all of you. Jennifer started her career in 2002 and has worked in many specialized areas of coding. Her passion is coding and teaching future coders. She is very passionate about recruiting and she's a huge advocate for helping new coders find employment. She offers online education for CPC and CRC exam preparation, in addition to many other specialty examinations. Her company holds workshops and webinars to help you succeed in the industry. She has extensive experience in the coding and billing industry, and she currently works as a remote coder for multiple surgical specialties, including orthopedics, general surgery, 
gastroenterology, and trauma. She has experience coding in urology, as well as interventional pain management. She's the proud owner of Ozark Coding Alliance. Simply incredible stuff, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited to be here, Sanal. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Welcome. Now, it was something as simple as little old me needing some more CEUs. That's how I found you and your Ozark Alliance Cardiology Summit last year, which I loved thoroughly. It was incredible. And really, I was drawn to your style of teaching, which is what got me hooked. Good teachers really know their stuff. And most importantly, they can convey it in a way to others so very, very well. So you offer training and education boot camps through your own Ozark Coding Alliance, which is huge, incredible. So, wow. And of course, you've since recently started your own podcast, the Life as a Coder podcast, which I hope is going very, very well for you. I've enjoyed the compliance series that you put out in May. So kudos to you. What's been your biggest inspiration here? What's your why in creating this amazing business opportunity for yourself? Well, uh, plain and simple, Sonal, I just really love to help people. I Ever since I was younger, I've always been that person that I want to help that person that, that's having a hard time. Uh, I love coding. You know, I, I've been doing this since I was at a high school, honestly. It was weird. Like I had this a vision of I when I was in high school, I either wanted to do something in medical or I wanted to do something in legal. I was I was kind of torn between where I was going to go. And majority of my family was already in healthcare um, in the health information management industry. And so I had was drawn that way. So I took some classes and realized I didn't want to do the clinical side. I wanted to do the business side. And and that was what got me started. And uh, I really wanted to help people. Honestly, it was just my very first student came to me back in 2015 and she was a friend of mine and she knew what I did for a living and she thought it was interesting. And she reached out to me and she says, Hey, would you teach me how to code? I'll pay you. And so I was uh-huh. just like, okay, sure. This might be something. So that's where it kind of started. And then I uh, realized the AAPC had a program to, ins- to get certified as an instructor so that was my next step. And then it just grew from there. And I've always just challenged myself to take on new things, reach out to my network. What do you want? What do you need? And that's how we come to today. <laughs> I love it. That is just incredible. So you really did fall in love with this particular space of coding at a very young age. That's very, very inspiring, right? For all of the new coders and the wannabe coders that are out there, right? So I really do think um, that you have so much to say. And I love what you're saying on your podcast, because it really does help a lot of people. You've brought in some really good guests, um, like that recruiter that you just had in your previous session, that was really incredible. And um, his insights are going to go a long way for those people that are new and trying to get their foot in the door. So that's incredible. Incredible. Well, thank you. Uh, I really enjoy doing this and I want to help as many people as possible. I love it. I love it. Now, you just touched a little bit on your past and your history, right? If you can, I'm hoping you can elaborate a bit more 
on some of those extra steps that you've taken to get you to where you are today. You are established. You do have a presence in this space. So I know my audience would love to know a lot more about how you did achieve and get here. Absolutely. I love to share my journey. Uh, In fact, I did create a blog specifically on our website that, oh my goodness, I just went on and on because I wanted to share every detail of how I got to where I am. And of course, uh, you know, my history of getting to know me, I am from California originally, and that's where I grew up. And so uh, a lot of things are very fast paced there. Uh, You know, I I grew up in in an area where there's a lot of job opportunities, but I wanted to work from home. I had this thought, okay, what can I do to work from home? And so it was brought to my attention as a possibility. But I knew right from the beginning, this is what, uh, 20 years ago, right. that this, you know, early 2000s was when I was graduating and going into um, thinking about a career. And it wasn't easy back then either. I mean, it wasn't, it's really difficult to get any industry once you're out of school. There's a lot of competition. Uh, so I just knew what I needed to do, needed to accomplish. There was a time where I did kind of step away for a short time. I was struggling emotionally with different things in my life. And and I was about to get married. And so I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. I have so much on my mind. So I did go take classes, but it wasn't clicking and it wasn't getting in there. And and so I got married and and I was like, okay, well, I'll just put this aside for now. But I always had the bug. I always had that desire to be a coder. And, and I don't, I didn't want to let go of it. So I eventually went back to you know, going into classes again, I knew I had to be in the hospital system. I was always recommended to me to be in the hospital system. If you want to be a coder, even if you don't have experience, that's what I did. I got a job in the billing department. I was doing the charge entry. I was, you know, I didn't know really a lot about different things, but I knew I wanted to learn. I had a great mentor. And that's one of the reasons, you know, I was going to mention earlier too, is having a great mentor is something that can really, um, you know, force you in that direction. She really helped me uh, to get down to the basics and the way she taught helped me understand that there are different styles of teaching as well. And I learned from her and I really did. I was like, well, this makes so much sense. You know, the way you're explaining this to me makes so much more sense than when I read it in the book. (laughs) So that's what really pushed me in that direction. And I was like, I can do this. And so I just kept studying and studying. I, I took a lot of practice exams And I'm going to be the first one to tell everyone out there, I am one of those people that did not pass my first attempt. So I know the pressure. I know the pressure is out there and it can be overwhelming. Uh, I will say when I didn't pass the first time, I was a little heartbroken, but I I picked myself up. I knew what I did wrong. I went back that second time a month later and I passed 80%. (laughs) So I knew that I could do it and I made it happen. Over the next several years, I just thought, okay, I'm, I'm starting fresh. I'm not, I'm new. I'm, I'm, I'm green. So I need to take advantage of people that are willing to share their knowledge with me. So I soaked it up. There was a, a veteran coder in our department and I just sat with her and she, she gave me so much knowledge. I then felt really confident when I had to move away from that area. I was a little nervous because I was in this bubble and I, I had these people around me that I felt like they were kind of like my my bubble and I didn't want to leave the bubble. <laughs> so I got this job as uh, an orthopedic coder and I was I knew nothing about orthopedics at that point. I was scared. And um but the manager really liked me and she wanted she wanted to hire me. So I was well, I'm gonna take it. I'm not gonna turn this down, this opportunity. So I took it. I I literally had to really dig in and sink or swim. 
honestly. And I, I did. I, I made some errors and it, it happens. But what, eight years later, I'm still in orthopedics. I'm still working for the same position. Still coding his surgery. So you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, I, I made, we all make mistakes. We make errors. And um, that's one of the things I, I think about with the industry is don't, you know, overwhelm yourself with what could go wrong. Just think about what you're doing right and focus on that. Uh, I, I've never turned down an opportunity. After that position, um, I was working in the office specifically as their coder, doing prior authorizations. I was entering all the charges. I was even checking patients out. <laughs> so I was a really busy person. Uh, but one of the uh, auditors in the auditing department reached out to me and asked if I wanted to learn general surgery. And I was like, oh, well, sure. <laughs> so I, I took on, a, she kind of let me have a few charts and I was doing that. I really enjoyed it. And before too long, they were really happy with it. And they decided, you know what, let's move you into the coding department. So they replaced me in the office with just someone who could do the prior authorizations and check patients out. And then I was moved to the coding department. And I've been there actually ever since. Uh, so that was a great opportunity. I, I've had the opportunity to then, of course, work remotely for um, other coding companies um, as additional work on the side. And I love it. I love learning. And if anyone passes me on another specialty, I'm like, yes, give it to me. And and that's how I always, always kept going. I never stopped learning, never stopped trying to improve myself. And here, what, 20 years later, I now have seven credentials. I don't even know how this has happened, but it, it's happened. And I'm, I'm loving every second of it. Simply amazing. I am listening to you and you are so passionate about being an avid learner, right? So, you know, your past has brought you here now because you are an avid learner. You have the ability. Why I really loved that cardiology summit I took with you last year was incredible because of your teaching style. Cardiology is one of the toughest specialties out there. And you simply have a knack of educating in a way that's outside of the textbook, right? Just the, the strict kind of dry way of the textbook and the workbooks. Um, you kind of bring it more to life and you make it more palatable and fun. Um, so I love hearing you talk about all of your vast experiences and all of the multiple opportunities that came your way because you were open and receptive to learning new things, right? And it sounds like in your past, you wore multiple hats as often as you possibly could and you wanted to. It's not like you shied away from those opportunities. So I think that makes you more whole, that provides you with more insight as a certified coder to then um, share with all of your students. So I think that's incredible, an incredible past that all of my listeners will definitely be able to hang on to and apply to their own life as they move forward as a certified coder. So that's incredible. And of course, I love the fact that you, um, you know, still maintained and persevered making sure that that one small setback didn't hold you back, right? You just took it again, 30 days later, no big deal. And you passed with flying colors. And so, you know, all of those new students out there should, again, hear this and not be afraid to keep trying, 
Um, it's a, it's a really tough exam. It's five hours and 40 minutes. That's a long time to sit and use that brain and just think, think, think and answer, answer, answer. Um, you know, so it's a challenge, but you can do it. Um, we've both done it. We've been around the block and we know it takes commitment, commitment. So I love it. Love your history. All right. So let's move on to my next question. All right. Now, I think, you know, um, we've known each other for quite some time. You know, I'm all about working smarter for coding compliance and affecting change in this particular space of healthcare. But I want to hear your voice. What is it you would like to see happen to improve coding abstraction, coding accuracy? Why do you think we still have such a disconnect in maintaining coding integrity? Your excellent question, Sonal. And I've been thinking about this for some time, actually, especially um, over the last few years when I've been helping new coders try to find employment. And so many of them get discouraged because they can't find work. And I see a lot, uh, I see a trend and, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a hiring manager. I don't work for some of these companies, but there is a lack of willingness to train. Sometimes I think we get, they get so bogged down and they have clients they're accountable to. And so they have a, they have to meet certain deadlines and they have certain requirements. So for all you coders out there, I would say, think about that aspect too. Think about they're, they're in a position where they have to meet their clients' requirements. Uh, and so, but I think there are times where they should think outside the box a little bit. There are new coders that aren't technically new coders. They just got their CPC, their CPCA, but they've been in the field for a long time. Just because they just took their exam does not mean they don't know what they're doing. And I think that sometimes can be an issue. But as far as the coding abstraction to improve that, training is important. So if your facility isn't regularly training your coders, I I see so many comments out there. Some coders don't feel like they're getting enough education. And there are some facilities that, you know, they don't pay for the education. So coders, um, if they don't make enough to cover all the education they have to pay for every year, You know, they may sometimes decide it's not for them. I'm going to leave this industry. It's too expensive. I can't do this. And then we lose quality coders. Uh, And so training and education is very important. Coding accuracy. I am a firm believer. I started coding before we had encoders, uh, before we had this electronic way to look up codes. And so I was always about my books. And I think a lot of people still today, they love the encoders and they're great. Uh, but we don't want to. I'm with you. Uh, I love my books. I know, right? I love my books. <laughs> the books are great, and I love that new book smell, right? Yes, I do, and I time. love the paper dust. I love the yes, paper dust that comes sprinkles. out every fall. Yes, <laughs> the sprinkles from our books. I love it. But I, I love digging into my books. I love looking at the new guidelines. I'm trying to maneuver through what's different from the previous years. And back when I was a first new coder, I remember one of my uh, mentors. She would literally sit there and she would take her previous year book notes and she would copy every single thing she had year to year into her books. And that was a true dedicated coder. She was concerned about accuracy. She did not want to forget all the the things that she went through the previous year. And so she could keep that knowledge in her book. And I've come from a time where that was what you did. And so I want to reach out and talk about how coding accuracy is important. I don't know if if you've ever listened to Sherry Pobernard, she's an excellent, excellent speaker. Of course, speaker. I have her book. I love her oh, latest yes. book. 
Yeah, we actually teach her course. Love it, love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, we phenomenal. teach her course at Ozark. She's amazing. So her book is the publication I use mm-hmm. uh, to teach my CRC curriculum. And one of the things she always talks about is, are you using your books appropriately? Are you using that that process of going to your index and following that through your tabular? I always teach that with my coders, of course, never code from your index, always code from your tabular. But there are so many things that we miss by not using the steps, the process. We may know, okay, I can go here. This is where the codes are. But we might miss a vital step that takes us to a different direction when it comes to using the index first and then going to your tabular. There are minor changes every year that can be missed um, um, with the with the uh, ICD-10CM specifically if we don't use this step process. And I like to say it's a roadmap. You know, if you make a wrong turn, you're going to end up in the boonies. <laughs> so right, you definitely, right. definitely want to follow that roadmap and get to your destination. And that is definitely as far as abstraction, coding accuracy, guidelines, 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 guidelines. I have a lot of coders uh, that work with me uh, on my team and also uh, that are my students. And sometimes they forget the guidelines and I, it's overwhelming, I know. But we don't want to let it overwhelm us. They're there to help us. We don't have to memorize anything. Yeah. Uh, so I always say, if you're coding something, you get to that specific starting point. You get to your book. Look at the codes that you're in. Go to the page previously. Look at the guidelines that are with that code set. Just give it a glance. Just get a highlighter out. Is there something there you're missing uh, that maybe you need to review again? Are you getting out there and researching on uh, payer websites like CMS? And these websites that have specific coding guidance for those code sets. And is there new technology codes you could be taking advantage of? What are you, what is out there that can help you succeed? All of those things will affect the proper coding abstraction. It will help coding accuracy uh, in so many ways. Uh, and your other question, coding integrity. There is a disconnect. A lot of uh, people, unfortunately, uh, don't see the connection uh, between being accurate and compliant. And one of the things I think about integrity, I think about someone who's honest and, and someone who has integrity and wants to have that, that good work ethic and wants to do what's right. And when we think about, I always go back to LCD policies. When you work in a facility, I know the pressure is there to get the codes in that are going to get the claim paid. <laughs> That's always what I hear. And we have to stop that mentality. Uh, risk adjustment really taught us a lot when that really started to become a bigger in the industry because you can't do it. You have to code what is documented and you have to code what's there, regardless of it's going to affect payment because it's about properly reporting things. I always tell everyone, you know, we work for the government. We really do. We report the current disease trends. They can't create new codes. They can't provide new services for uh, people if they don't know what diseases are happening, what conditions are out there. You have to report them. And you have to report them accurately. It's going to affect the patient's care. Uh, it's going to affect their uh, transition of care from one physician to the next if our coding accuracy isn't there. And that is all about integrity. Wanting to do it right from the beginning, we can avoid a lot of denials, a lot of appeals if we do it right the first time. And so that's about integrity. Do you want to do what's right? Do you want to take that extra minute? and get out there and find out what the right guideline is, how I should appropriately code this before I just guess. (laughs) We don't want to do that. Do I get out there and I really focus on the integrity of the chart? And that's really what I'm all about is integrity, 
properly coding, being honest, and doing what's right. That's all it is. Simply beyond, Jennifer. Your insights, this podcast should be played back again and again. Because everything you said is spot on. Process improvements need to be made, is what I'm hearing loud and clear from the start. Completely agree with everything you have stated. So much in our coding education needs to start with coding integrity. It needs to start with the vocabulary of integrity. I think that's kind of missing in the current education that's available today. Not from you, because you talk about it loud and clear. I love it. But in general, you're, you're right. We see too many shortcuts taking place and coders need to rely on their guidelines in their books. Both CPT and ICD-10 have to look at those guidelines, understand those guidelines and not take those shortcuts. Very easy to do, but that's where we see so many of these risks that we see currently, that I see currently in the post-payment world. Um, there's so much that happens that's at risk when we're not focused on coding integrity. So completely agree with you. And the only way we can be as accurate as possible is if we understand all of those guidelines that are printed in our books that you and I love. Um, and they're even found in the encoders. So even if you like that software-based books, uh, that's perfectly fine. All of those guidelines are written there as well. Um, so, yeah, I loved everything you had to say. All of your insights, spot on. Exactly. Exactly right. Now, I can't believe it's almost time for you to leave us. But for my last question... What is Jennifer still striving for? Where am I going to see you in the next five years? Well, that's an excellent question. And honestly, I don't know, but I know it's going to be encoding. I, I definitely I know. I love it. Good, good. For the rest of my life. I mean, I've done it this long, right? I can't imagine exactly. to become a lawyer or leaving to become something else. I, I can't even think about it. But my goal, honestly, I'll kind of split this up into two sections because I have goals personal goals as a coder in my personal work. And then of course, uh, for our company. So recently, as you know, I've posted previously about my anxiety and some of the trauma I've experienced in my career from, you know, emotional things that happened to me. And so I was getting overwhelmed, you know, I had all these requests, and I, I hate to let people down, but I was only one person and I knew I had to make a change. So my savior, Angel Kendall came along and became my partner and we're she's my partner in crime and we, we we're working really well together and she's taking on a lot of the education things that really take a load off me so I can focus on of course my podcast uh, we have a revenue cycle management company where we do um, billing and coding for physicians and so that's where my I want to focus my time is talk to my physicians I want to provide on physician education was really where I want my my career to go I love teaching physicians I love teaching So, I mean, I still have, our company still has the teaching in there, but me personally, my goal is to go into physician education, consulting. My podcast is my baby. I love it. And I'm sure you feel the same that you, you love doing this and it's an outlet. It's a way that we can uh, tell others, um, at a wide, uh, um, 
we can actually expand um, our network on this podcast and tell as many people as possible what what we're feeling about the industry and what we can do to help them. It's free education. So that's what I'm all about is helping people that need that low cost of free education to be successful. In the next five years, I have lots of goals. You know, I want I want more credentials, but I for the for the time being, I'm I'm putting a pause on it because I just recently got my CCS with a HEMA and I got my CPMA in the same year. And I'm tired, you know, I'm tired, I'm tired of (laughs) testing myself. I can't imagine. So I'm going to take a break. But in the future, I mean, I have goals of additional specialties, uh, additional like the CDEO. I've always had that in the back of my mind and others, other AAPC specialty credentials that I, I think about, you know, doing. Uh, like the orthopedic one. I'm, I'm surprised I haven't done that one yet. I've been in orthopedic so long. I don't know why I never took that test. <laughs> I took general surgery and ophthalmology. And I don't know why I never went for though. I probably should think about that one. But but I, I love the challenge of learning new things. Recently, you know, at the hospital, there is a, a potential opportunity for me to actually step into cardiology. So my brain is like, I don't know, should I do this? Should I take on this challenge if it gets presented to me? I don't know. And so it's just, I have all these wheels going. What specialty, if I were given the opportunity, would I step into next? Because I want to learn everything. I feel like actually cardiology and OBGYN are the only two I've not worked for as a job. <laughs> so it's it's kind of crazy. I have my hands in almost every other specialty except for those two. And so I... It's, those two, I'd like to cross them off my list. I would like to say that I have worked for every single coding specialty. specialty. Amazing. No, absolutely. You can do anything. You're presented with so many opportunities because again, you're an avid educator. You do it swimmingly. So I'm not surprised that I'm going to see all of your dreams in the next five years come true. I love it. Absolutely love it. You can do anything. Sounds amazing. Awesome. Sounds amazing. Now, Jennifer, I know we may share a few common people together, but where can my listeners find you directly? How can they reach you if they want some of your educational services or where can you be found for your podcast? Well, uh, uh, we are now on pretty much every downloadable platform for podcasting, Life as a Coder, specifically Spotify, Apple, um, iHeartRadio, just some of the main ones I think other people use, uh, but most of those other ones are on there too. And of course, LinkedIn, I'm a, you're, I'm a big presence on LinkedIn. So I definitely recommend following me, especially if you're looking for a job, because I am connected to all kinds of recruiters. I've positioned myself on purpose so I could help coders. So I connect with recruiters specifically for that purpose. And then on Facebook, of course, uh, we have a Facebook page, Ozark Coding Alliance, and our upcoming virtual summit that we're doing uh, for charity events this fall. There's a page for that as well. So you can contact us there um, and our website, uh, www.ozarkcoding.com. Uh, you can contact us there, reach out by phone or email. Excellent. Excellent. I'm going to make sure I put everything in my show notes. Excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to leave my listeners with today? Something we haven't touched upon? Well, I'm just going to leave you with what I always close with on my podcast. I always like to tell my listeners that knowledge is power. The knowledge you learn today makes you powerful tomorrow. Never stop learning. Never stop coding. Love it, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here with me today. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. 
It's time for my best practice tips in Trusty Tip. So there's some news coming out of NGS, the Part B Mac for the states of Connecticut, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New York, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Wisconsin. Now, this is a medical review focus area for psychotherapy services, 60 minutes with the patient that I thought could really also apply and be beneficial to all providers performing this service across our nation. Now, why is this such a hot topic today? Unfortunately, this is a post-payment review that contains some pretty unfavorable results. So I believe there is need for much improvement. So some of the background details involves an effort to reduce the Part B CERT error rate so the medical review department conducted a service-specific post-payment review of CPT code 90837, which is defined as psychotherapy, 60 minutes with the patient. Now, the primary focus of these audits was to determine whether the medical necessity of the services billed was at the correct code per Medicare guidelines. Now, further, the National Government Services, that's our NGS, randomly selected over 300 claims billed for CPT code 90837 for post-payment review in a specific jurisdiction. Jurisdiction 6 for Part B providers located in the states of Illinois, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Now, what did they end up finding? Well, in fact, they had looked at 157 claims from Illinois that disclosed that 91 of those claims were denied in error, and that resulted in an error rate of 57.2%. Then they looked at 78 claims from Minnesota, and they were denied. 55 of them were denied, in fact, at an error rate of 70.5%. And finally, 34 claims in Wisconsin were looked at, and 22 of those claims were denied for an error rate of 64.7%. Wow, so those error rates, those error percentages, in my opinion, are simply too high, way too high. So what were some of the key reasons that these services were denied? Well, there are three reasons that they disclose. Now, the first one is for the documentation did not support the medical necessity due to one or more of these reasons. They disclose a further four reasons that encompass the overarching theme of documentation did not support the medical necessity. So the first was the documentation was missing an initial treatment plan. They're also stating that there was no updated plan of care, which means it, it simply did not include the type or the amount or the frequency or the duration or the goals or the medical history or the focused exam modalities. They're also claiming that the documentation did not disclose the amount of time spent with the patient. And of course, we're talking about 60 full minutes here, right? So 60 minutes has to be disclosed for the length of the session. The documentation also must contain the patient diagnoses as well as the time involved for any prolonged services. So why was there a need for that extension of time or prolonged? And then there was also no updated treatment and there was no progress notes that were included.
Now, second, NGS is also claiming that therefore the documentation was insufficient or incomplete. And finally, NGS is also claiming that there was a failure to respond to the request for documentation. So when this project was issued, it was made very clear on the NGS website that providers would be receiving an ADR letter. That's the Additional Documentation Request Letter. Now, if a claim was selected for review, that provider, that practice, will have received an ADR letter. Now, providers with claims selected for review must submit the requested documentation within a very tight time frame of 45 days of the date of the ADR letter. Now, in such a tight time frame, in my opinion, you've got to be organized in how you submit these records. And I'm going to go over a laundry list of items that they wanted to see and include in the submission. So let's be very mindful in our compliance practices moving forward. Now, the failure to submit the requested documentation in a timely manner may obviously result in a denial of the billed services. Now, again, I'm continuing to disclose what NGS wanted at the time this project had started. So what they wanted was the Psychotherapy Psychiatric Therapeutic Procedure Code, CPT Code 90837's medical records must include all of these items. So there must be an individualized treatment plan. There must be an updated treatment plan and or the required components, which must be the, the type, the amount, the frequency, and the duration of the services to be furnished as well as indicating the diagnoses and all anticipated goals. Now, the medical record must indicate the time spent in the psychotherapy encounter and indicate the therapeutic maneuvers, such as behavior modification, supportive or interpretive interactions that were applied to produce a therapeutic change. There also must include a periodic summary of goals and progress towards those goals must be included in the medical record. The medical records must also include a clinical note for each and every encounter where the provider has to summarize these items, the diagnosis, the symptoms, the functional status, the focused mental status examinations, the treatment plans, the prognosis, and the progress to date. Now, elements such as treatment plans functional status and prognostic assessment are definitely expected to be documented and updated and always available for the max review. Now, prolonged periods of psychotherapy must also be well supported in the medical record describing the necessity for the ongoing treatment. Now, services must be the purpose of the diagnostic study or reasonably be expected to improve the patient's condition. Now, the treatment must, at a minimum, be designed to reduce or control the patient's psychiatric symptoms so as to prevent a relapse or even hospitalization, and it must be able to improve or maintain the patient's level of functioning. Now, when stability can be maintained without further treatment or with less intensive treatment, the psychological services are no longer considered medically necessary.
Now, the services must be performed by providers authorized by their state to render these types of psychotherapy services. That means you must be following your state's scope of practice, right? Must be followed. Now, all of these items must support CPT code 90837. And even further, the medical record also must be legible and the name of the patient and the date of service and the signature of the billing provider must be clearly identified. Okay, so, wow, again, that's lots and lots and lots of documentation and guidance that must be adhered to for compliance. And remember, there's a lot to organize here, right? When you're trying to submit documentation over to the payer. And I always believe if you, if, if you simply can't do it yourself, it's always best to retain a respected and trusted consultant or seek help from a seasoned healthcare attorney to ensure your practice meets these swift deadlines to the fullest. Now, these error rates for the Part B NGS MAC are simply too high in the range of 60 to 70% for insufficient documentation rate and simply a failure to respond. So I believe it's evident that we must do better in creating checklists, improving workflows and efficiencies at the provider level to ensure all documentation is being captured. Coding and billing are compliant for all, for all applicable statutory and regulatory guidelines. So a better, smarter approach is one that's proactive and starts by painting a clear, rich, and vibrant medical picture the first time so your certified medical coder can then abstract codes with accuracy. And finally, in this week's inspiring quote in Spark is from our very own Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But by all means, keep moving. So very true, right? I think this is an insightful reminder. We all must make steps in our journeys by any means necessary. We will all encounter challenges and setbacks along the way. We may feel helpless, hopeless, stunted, but we simply cannot give up and surrender. Instead, we must find strength from within to carry on. I am happy Dr. King's spark still burns brightly in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. Please go out and make this a great day, an incredible week for yourselves. Aim a little higher, do a little more, and give back in any way you can in 2021. There's so much each one of us can do. As always, I appreciate you diving into today with me. And if you want more information from me, go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Please continue staying safe and healthy, practice safety for one and all during our collective life in the time of coronavirus. Thank you for listening in on today's very special episode. And I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday. Thank you.